0: This morning I'm excited to get to uh, look at God's word together with you and uh, we're going to be looking in the book of Philippians We've been working through that um, that book in a series entitled transcend and uh, we're going to continue that this morning Um, I can uh, I can just let you know you can rest assured we will not be striking any yoga poses this morning We won't be humming together the, this word transcend has kind of this, um, sounds a little mystical, sounds a little um, new agey maybe, but, uh, but it's very practical in its application. And so we're going to take a look at what that means and how to apply that to our lives. In fact, um, there's a little glimpse of how this looks in, in our lives. Um, that word transcend literally means to surpass limits. Or to break through uh, limitations. And um, so I was thinking about this in terms of just kind of everyday living. We all, we all have uh, limitations and things, situations in our lives that we've got to just kind of break through and, and surpass the limits. Um, so here's, a, here's how this can apply um, just on a real simple uh, practical way in our life. So we have, Denise and I have three kids. Two of them have the, the one-bedroom in our little two-bedroom condo. The other one, who is 17 months, his crib is in our room. And so, um, so we put him down to sleep and, and he'll wake up periodically and he'll peek up over his crib to see if mom and dad are in bed yet. And if mom and dad are in bed, he will cry until mom and dad take him from his crib and put him in, de- in bed with mom and dad. And he loves to snuggle and cuddle. And he's just our little, our little snuggler. And so he will just snuggle all night and get all cozy with Denise. <laughs> and I get the other end. I get the feet. And so all night the feet are kicking me in the face. So she gets the snuggle and I get the feet. And so finally I said, I said okay, we got to draw a line here. I'm getting kicked all night long. And I need some rest. So we decided, okay, we're going, to, we're going to make him sleep in his crib. Now we knew, I knew, that would come at a price. For two nights solid, this kid was screaming to come back into mommy and daddy's bed. Limits had to be transcended. We had to break through because I knew on the other side was the promise of peaceful sleep <laughs> rather than feet in my face all night. We all face limits, uh, limitations all the time that we have to break through and, and get to the other side of. And it can be painful. It can be difficult in our circumstances to see that there can be something better to see that there can be something on the other side that where there's breakthrough and, and peace, a peaceful night's sleep. And so a lot of times, we're willing to put up with the crying baby, so to speak, because it's too challenging to actually push through and get to the other side. Well, this morning, we're going to look at how Paul, in the book of Philippians, writes about transcending our circumstances to let the gospel break through in real ways and what's incredible is that Paul um, Paul's example is so vivid because he uses his own story he uses his own circumstances and I love that, that his message to us is that we can get beyond circumstances and we can allow the gospel to break through in real ways that welcome in God's kingdom in our lives, whether those circumstances are rosy or really difficult. So for the gospel to, to break through, the first thing we need to understand is what is the gospel, right? So if you don't know what the gospel, here is the gospel in a nutshell. This incredible truth that beyond, but before the beginning of time, from, from, from as long as God has existed, he has had us in mind. And he's wanted to have relationship with us. And he created us and he gave us free will. And we, with that, with that free will, we chose to do something other than have relationship with God as he intended. And so there was separation that happened. And so for all of human history, God's, God has been on this mission to reconcile us back to himself. And he went to great lengths to do that in us. In fact, he sent his son so that his son would take on the penalty of our sin, that we could have a pathway to have right relationship with God again. And so his mission in the world today is that he would use the church and any means possible to bring people back in relationship with him, that we can experience his kingdom here and now and for eternity. That's the gospel. And that's the gospel that Paul writes about here in Philippians, that in the middle of our situation, this gospel can transcend whatever you're facing in your life, and it can take root. The kingdom of God can advance. So this morning, I I, want to take a look at what this means for us. First of all, I love how Paul sets this up. So, So Paul is writing this from prison. Now, if I was writing from prison, my narrative would be a little bit different than Paul's. Mine would probably be something like um, posting the body cam footage of my arrest on YouTube for all to see. It would be Instagramming my story uh, of selfies with my bread and my water and the rats running through. It would be documenting my arrest and what transpired. That's what my report from prison would probably look like. And Paul takes a very different approach in his report from prison. In fact, you'll find in his account nothing about his arrest. You'll find nothing about his court trial. Or, or how he was treated. You won't find how the food was or the, the, what, what medical conditions he was facing. He skips all of that to focus on the most important thing to him, what the gospel is doing in that situation, how the gospel is taking root. He was so focused on this um, as an example of the gospel that it, it challenges us to the core because that was the passion of his life even in a prison cell and so he focuses on that we're going to pick up his report here in philippians chapter 1 uh, starting in verse 12 so let's read how he phrases his report uh, and what he's uh, wanting to accomplish here in philippians he says this in, uh, starting in verse 12 he says i want you to know brothers I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. So Paul's um, Paul's report is very different and has a very different focus. It has a focus on the gospel as the primary thing, even in his situation and where he's at. Now, this is important because he's riding the church at Philippi, and Philippi was a significant city in the Roman Empire. In fact, citizens of Philippi, they would have taken a lot of pride in the fact that they were Roman. They would have gotten some tax-free benefits from being citizens. That's pretty cool. But they, they would have had this idea of this this city and uh, national pride in being roman and paul throughout the book of philippians he, he he's trying to drive home the point that our citizenship is not in on earth it's in heaven he uses that language because they would have understood this pride of citizenship of being romans And so he's trying to get them to see the point that it's not about the here and now, their situation that they find themselves in. It's not about them being Romans. It's not about a political affiliation or a national affiliation. It's about something bigger. It's about the gospel. It's about eternity. That's what hangs in the balance. That's where our citizenship is. That's what really matters. And so Paul, he uses that terminology to speak to right where they're at. For us, we find our meaning, we find our purpose in a lot of different things. But the question is do we find it primarily in the gospel? Or do we find it somewhere else? Is that the one single thing that drives the purpose of our lives? The gospel that we could be welcoming God's move in our lives in a way that transforms us and establishes his kingdom, welcomes his kingdom in the lives of other people around us. Well, Paul uses his own example now to drive home this point of their citizenship not being focused on where they're at and their circumstances, but something far bigger than that. And he uses his imprisonment to drive this home on a very personal level. And so we're going to take a look at that today and what that means for us and how we need to shift our priorities to allow the gospel to transcend our circumstances and our, our affiliations to be about something bigger, to be about some lives that are focused on God's kingdom. The gospel was the most important thing in Paul's life. In fact, in verse 21, just a little bit past our passage this morning, he says this He says, For me to live is Christ. He goes on and he says, To die would be gain because I'd go to heaven, but he says, To live is Christ. My life right now, my living, my circumstances is all about Christ. In fact, our faith is not just about the gain of eternity. He says the kingdom of God is not just about that end, it's about my life now. So how do we live our lives now in the circumstances we find ourselves in? How can we maintain that gospel priority that sees his role in our lives in all of our circumstances? Let's look at Paul's example here. Like Paul, we have to figure out how to let the gospel transcend the things that that push in on us so so first of all this morning the gospel transcends when I can look beyond my circumstances when I can look beyond the circumstances of my life what is what's the typical response when we experience some circumstances that are challenging or difficult the typical response is usually why right God why is this happening to me what is going on here And that sounds like a very plausible, logical response for Paul who finds himself in prison. I mean, the gospel was exploding. It was the early church. This was a radical message that people had had never heard before. It was taking root. Uh, Paul was was going to different places and establishing the church and great things were happening. And now he's in prison. I would be saying, why? Why? God, why would you do that? Why would you bring me here? Why now? Why here? Why me? But Paul looked beyond the circumstances. Look here in verse 12. His confident response to this is not why. It's, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Really? Would that be your take on the situation? If you were tossed into prison in the middle of the the prime of your ministry, would you be saying, well, I know I'm now in prison, but I'm sure it's to advance the gospel. No, you'd be saying, what? Right when I thought it was going well, now this barrier, this roadblock is going to shut things down. Instead, he trusted that God was going to be at work through this, now, I, uh, when, when Denise and I moved here into this area, uh, it was to get ready to go to the mission field. That's what I had gone to Bible college for and studied. That's what um, I had gone to work for our denomination's missions department and was focused on working with the national leaders around the world. And we felt like, okay, our time has come and so we, um, we were making arrangements with national leaders and, and having that dialogue. And we decided we're going to sell everything we own and we're going to save and fundraise for a year so that we can launch to the mission field. And so we moved in with her parents um, in Moore Park and we lived there while we saved. And during that year, God began to shift things. In fact, shift is probably too light of word he took a hard right on us has God ever taken a hard right in your life it was a really confusing time for me because I felt like okay Lord you I, I feel like you called me to study for missions I you you led me in this direction and now it's falling apart and other doors are opening and it doesn't look like what I thought you were leading me into And i wrestled with the lord i have to tell you that god will take hard rights on us and we have to understand that in our circumstances he's about 10 steps ahead of us maybe hundreds of steps ahead of us and it's confusing it's challenging and we have to break through those things i am so grateful that god planted us here i'm so grateful that we obeyed where he was taking us. It's been incredible. But in the circumstances that we face, it's challenging, and it's confusing. And sometimes we have to say, okay, God, this doesn't look like what I thought it was going to, but in my circumstances, even though I feel like you're taking a hard right, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that you know what you're doing and that you're going to establish your gospel and your kingdom, and you're going to carry me through. Paul was at that place. God, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm going to contend that it's for the advance of the gospel, even from a prison cell. That didn't make sense. It didn't make sense for his circumstances. But it absolutely did, didn't it? God sees your circumstances. He knows right where you're at, and he's got a plan for your life. And you see God at work in your life, sometimes our, 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 our barriers, our circumstances are so blinding, they're so right in our face that we can't, we can't look beyond that to see where God could be at work. But if we want the gospel to, to transcend our lives, we've got to be able to get beyond our circumstances and see that God is at work in other ways that we may not see Secondly, the gospel also transcends when I look beyond the possible. When I look beyond what's possible. This has to do with confidence in Christ that what is possible for him is the impossible for us. See, what looks possible to us would be that that Paul would continue his missionary journey. What was true of Paul in, in that prison was that what would what was possible is that his influence would be cut off that he would be in isolation that his significance would be diminished now what was the reality the reality is that a good portion of the new testament is paul's letters that were written from that prison cell that for thousands of years the church has been established and the kingdom has advanced because Paul was in that cell writing his letters to the churches to encourage them, instruct them. His uh, his being in that place and what God did through that time has served to advance the kingdom for generations and generations. That's not possible. That's not possible through through our circumstances, through our normal life. That's the impossible. That's the supernatural. We've got to look beyond the possible because the possible will always limit us because God's not bound by what's possible. He's in the business of doing the impossible through our lives. And oftentimes we get preoccupied by the possible and we, we can give up the impossible that God wants to do. So Paul, in verse 12 there, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. But he goes on in 13, and then he says, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all of the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. That's looking beyond the possible. That my imprisonment is not about diminishing my influence. It's about the whole imperial guard and beyond that knowing about Christ that was Paul's perspective my imprisonment is not about me it's about Christ and what he wants to do that's allowing the gospel to transcend your situation and what's possible in your life i the the olympics are just getting over in fact i think the closing ceremonies are aired tonight they already happened uh, because they South Korea is so far ahead of us, but they're airing tonight. And uh, has anybody enjoyed watching the games? I, I, did you catch the women's hockey game? That was amazing. What a game. Women uh, took hold the, home the gold over Canada, and it was, it was incredible. So if you didn't watch it, go back and uh, watch the game. But um, I, as I've been watching the games, um, I was taken by this cross-country skier. It was right towards the beginning of the games And there was a Norwegian uh, cross-country skier named uh, Simon Kruger. And um, talk about overcoming what is possible. I want you to take a look at this video and see how he overcame.
1: Watch this. This men's cross-country race today could be absolutely epic. 30 kilometers or 18 miles, it is 16 degrees, and the winds have been howling. And on we go in the men's skiathlon. First half of the race is this way, in the tracks in a classic style.
2: It looked like somebody ran into Kruger, and the two skiers right behind him just end up piling right on top of him. Kruger, who is in his first Olympic start, and he only gets about 150 meters, and he's already off the back.
1: In the men's skiathlon, they are pushing the pace hard. They're
2: racing. This is old-school cross-country ski racing here. If there is a race you didn't want to fall in the first 200
1: meters, it's this race. In this sport, you always watch Italy, Sweden, but definitely Norway.
2: Slowing pace is helping Kruger get back into this race.
1: Into the second half of the race, freestyle, and this race is really on. Oh, it's setting
2: up to be a classic already. These races do not normally transpire this way. I don't think anybody really expected this. And after he fell at the start, I certainly didn't
1: expect this. What we've seen today is really remarkable. He has made it through this entire 68-man field to get back in front right there. A crash, a fall. He got knocked on the head, but he recovered. We live for races like this. Wouldn't it be amazing if Kruger
2: could come home for a medal after that start?
1: Wow, this is pretty unbelievable.
2: He's went from the back of the field to the front of the field. He's the only guy in the race who can say he's done that today. Sometimes a little bit of adversity goes a long way with motivation. If anybody deserves this win today, it's Seymour Hengstel Kruger. Um, Norway has a new cross-country star and Olympic champion. Right down there in the
0: start with a broken pole, I thought that it was over. But uh, it's an incredible feeling to cross the finish line uh, first in my first ever uh, start in the Olympics. Uh, it's uh, unbelievable.
2: Simon hexton in miraculous story for the gold medal.
0: Isn't that amazing? These are world-class athletes. And you fall 150 meters into the race. I mean, you're done. And this guy... Picks himself up. You, you heard him say he thought it was over. And then the, the announcer says, a little bit of adversity goes a long way in motivation. I wonder if we could live by, by our, our lives by that. But a little bit of uh, adversity in our circumstances, in our lives, could motivate us for the gospel. I mean, this guy, it was, it's not possible for that to happen. Now, that was by his own effort and by his own real overcoming and remarkable. But we have the opportunity to welcome the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, to break through in the the impossible, to break through in the areas that we we limit ourselves to say, well, this is what's possible because of these circumstances. And God says, no, 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 no. There's a much bigger picture there's a much bigger thing going on behind the scenes that you don't know about I've got a victory for you and I've got a victory for the gospel that you haven't even imagined yet amen listen there's some there's a progression here that we can we can look at our situation and we can discount it and we can count ourselves out and we can kind of phone it in and say it's done we're over or We can look to the power of the cross and we can say it's not over because it's never over when Christ is in the mix. And we can with confidence say, in the middle of my situation, I'm going to contend for Christ. From the middle of my prison cell, this is going to be about Jesus. And it can carry us through, it can transcend. This is how Paul in uh, Philippians chapter 4, he says, I've learned in whatever situation... I am to be in, to be content I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need I can do all things through him who strengthens me why can he say that because there's a confidence not in what's possible but what God can break through beyond the possible to the impossible So we've got to let the gospel transcend and look beyond the possible. A third thing here is that the gospel transcends when I look beyond my disappointments. When I look beyond my disappointments. Now, it's disappointing when things don't go our way. All of us love to have our way, don't we? We wake up in the morning, we've got an agenda off the bat, We know what we want to get done. And for good or bad, if things don't go our way, we don't love that. We want it to go according to plan. But things don't go according to plan, do they? They never do. And when that happens, we can be disappointed. There's disappointments all the time in our lives that we experience, whether little things or big things in our lives that are disappointments. And they they can actually derail us in our lives the disappointments that we face when things don't go our way well here in verse 14 paul um paul is disappointed also but it's not for the selfish kind of reasons that would focus on him what's paul disappointed in was it was it that he was in prison i would be disappointed in that no he's not even disappointed that he's in prison listen in verse 14 it says and most of the brothers having become confident in the lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear well that's pretty awesome isn't it what if we could say that a simi valley if we could say most of simi valley having become confident in the lord is much more bold to speak the gospel that would be an incredible statement but listen to this i hear in paul's statement here A longing for the gospel to take root but that word most i think there's a disappointment in that for paul i think there was such an expectation that the gospel would break loose that he's disappointed that not everybody has accepted christ that most of them have now that's something to celebrate that's amazing work of god But Paul was so singularly focused, it was what he was there for. He had placed his trust in Christ. And why would Paul be disappointed by what God is doing? That he's disappointed that more people have not given their lives to Christ. That it wouldn't be true that they would say all the brothers have become confident in God. Is that the level of passion for the gospel that's displayed in our lives? That we could get past our disappointments. Our disappointments wouldn't be about the situation we find ourselves in, but that we would be disappointed where the gospel has not penetrated yet. That that would be what we're disappointed for. You see, that takes it out of the realm of our circumstances and what, uh, what w- we live with in our situation, and it puts it back on God to say, Lord, I want to see you just saturate. Through my life, in my situation, whatever I find myself in today, I want want your gospel to take root in every life around me because of my story, because of my situation. We've been telling Antioch stories and and letting people have the opportunity to share what God is doing in their lives. And it's an incredible testimony because God is doing awesome things among us. And it's true that when God works in our lives, we want to tell the story because we want Him to get the credit. We want the gospel to to be be preached. We want the kingdom to be established because of what He's done in our lives. That's why He's working in us. That's why He's healing us and restoring us. It's for us, and it's for the people around us. It's for us and our well-being, and it's for His kingdom to advance. So we have, to, we have to be disappointed for other things. We've got to be disappointed for where the gospel is not penetrated yet. I went recently to um, a, a seminar on world mission, and uh, they were talking about unreached people groups. And they were saying, there's a lot of different stats out there, but there's an organization that has kind of compiled the data of a whole lot of different organizations and they said that there's, they actually have the exact number and they can tell you exactly which people groups are not reached yet with the gospel. There's something like a, a, little, a little less than 1,200 people groups in the world today that have no representation in them of the gospel. That's what I want to be disappointed in. I want to be disappointed that there's people in our world that have not yet heard, that have not yet heard And how can God use the circumstances that I find myself in to reach out to my neighbors, to proclaim his kingdom in my neighborhood, in our city, that we could say, all of Simi Valley has become confident to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be incredible? The gospel can transcend in a way that goes beyond our disappointments in life. And there will be disappointments. There will be disappointments that do, try to derail you. Where some of us are still contending for a mother or a father to receive Christ. Or a, a, or a son or a daughter who's estranged from God. Some of us are still contending for a co-worker that we've been trying to share the gospel with for years. Or a neighbor that is just so difficult to reach. Those are, those are good w- Good opportunities to be disappointed That the gospel hasn't yet reached And so use your life Use your story To let God transcend the disappointment And be the answer Don't give up Don't be disappointed Don't let it derail what God wants to do Through your life and your story Lastly, the gospel transcends When I look beyond my attacks When I look beyond my attacks Now we all face attacks in our life some of them are big. Some of them are little. It might look like um, a coworker uh, taking the taking the, the promotion that we thought we were going to have. It might look like uh, gossip uh, being spread against you, or a lawsuit that someone files against you. In the loony home, a typical scene that feels like an attack might go like this: a baby is eating garbage from the trash can. Another child is screaming at the cat and chasing her around the house. A third child just emerged from the bathroom naked and probably didn't wipe. The tea kettle is whistling. TV cartoons are blaring. And as you run around the room from emergency to emergency, at least three of the thousands of toys littering the floor are now lodged in your feet. Can anybody relate? Denise just raised her hand. Sometimes life itself starts to feel like it piles on, like it's an attack against who we are. Sometimes it's hard to even just continue on, isn't it? Sometimes it doesn't have to be the coworker taking our promotion or, or some major event to disrupt our lives. Sometimes the circumstances of life are challenging. They're difficult. And the promise here is that we can transcend that the gospel will transcend those things in our life and can lead in our situation to profound gospel breakthrough now here in the early church where paul finds himself like we said the gospel was exploding there was great things happening it was it was an incredible time to be living and yet paul he has an attack doesn't he not only is he thrown in prison, but while he's in prison and he, he, he's preaching the gospel through writing and anything he can do to advance the gospel, there's those on the outside that are taking advantage of his time while he's in jail. Let's, let's read this together. This is incredible. So, starting in verse 15, he says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill the latter do it out of love knowing that i am put here for the defense of the gospel the former proclaim christ out of selfish ambition not sincerely but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment isn't that amazing people were taking advantage of paul's imprisonment for their own personal gain that's an attack Everything that Paul stood for in in his suffering for the gospel and and contending for the gospel to still break through and to see the kingdom advance, all that he stood for was being undermined by these leaders who were preaching the gospel out of envy and rivalry, trying to take advantage of Paul's influence, what they thought was being diminished, so that they could have a stage to promote themselves. This is an attack not only on Paul, this is an attack on the gospel. But look, look at how Paul responds to these people who are selfish, who are antagonistic, these self-promoters. Look how he responds to what looks like an attack. Here in verse 18, he says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. Christ is proclaimed. You see this focus here? He he recognizes the attack that's happening. It's very real, and it's very wrong. But his approach is, no matter the attack, I'm going to still contend that the Christ that was enough to transcend my situation for his kingdom is going to transcend their false motivations, and it's going to establish the kingdom despite them. See, it doesn't matter the attack that comes against us because when we stand firm in who Christ says he is and what he will do on our behalf, we can say Christ is going to be proclaimed. It doesn't matter our situation, our circumstances, the attacks that would be leveled against us. Christ can be proclaimed through our situation. And so Paul, in a prison cell, he's saying, these people are attacking me no problem. Christ has got it. This is going to be fun. I'm going to sit back and watch how God uses this one. Because whether, whatever motivation it's out of, God's going to use it for his glory. And the gospel took root, and the gospel flourished in the early church. See, people, people have a hard time. We have a hard time with limitations with the, the challenges, the, the circumstances that are right there in our face every day. But the promise of the gospel is that it transcends our, our situation, that God's got another plan that's at work and he'll use those things for his glory and his kingdom and we get to be a part of it. I'm grateful that God will always break through when we allow him to he'll always break through when we allow him to. If we're we're preoccupied by the attacks, by the situation, by the things that challenge us, by by the things that, that can derail us, we'll never get to see the full potential of what God wanted to do through our life and our circumstance. So God will use the lowest points of your life for the greatest gain of his gospel. God will use your story of redemption for His glory and His honor. Does that mean we're all just pawns for Him to use? No, because in the middle of that amazing truth is the fact that He's reconciling us and restoring us as His people. And then the world gets to sit back and say, whoa, that wasn't possible. How did that happen? It happened through the power of Jesus Christ. Our hope is, is in the gospel it's not in anything else our hope is in the gospel this morning I want to I want to end with this I want to look at what Paul says we can expect to happen when this is our posture through life and through life's circumstances he says this verse 18 again he says what then only that in every way whether in pretense or in truth Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice yes I will rejoice so in here the first thing he says that we can expect is, is we can experience an expectation of him an expectation verse 18 it says in every way there's an expectation there that no matter what is going on in every way in every situation he's going to break through we in whatever situation we face we can have an expectation when this is our posture second he says we can have a hope he says in every way whether in pretense or in truth Christ is proclaimed Christ is the hope he's the hope of the world he's the hope of our lives and in every way if he's going to be proclaimed then Paul is saying we get hope we always have hope in any situation because when we let the gospel transcend our situation, Christ is going to be proclaimed. Hope is going to be declared in that situation. And the third thing he says in this, in, this, um, in this verse right here is that joy, we're going to get to experience joy. He says, in that I rejoice. And then he says it again, yes, I will rejoice. In fact, he mentions joy 16 times in these four short chapters in Philippians. He says, the life of someone who can find their their presence, their centering on the truth of the gospel, rather than the the circumstances that swirl around us, the peripheral of our lives, the person who can be centered here, it's going to be a life of joy. You're not going to be torn in all different directions by anything that comes along. You're going to be solid and have the joy of the expectation of his hope. This morning, I want, to, um, I want to end by just inviting you to close your eyes, and I want to pray together. But before I pray, I just want to, I want to invite you to think about the situations of your life that God would want to use for something far greater than what you see as possible. What are the places in your life, maybe, maybe something has come to mind as I've been talking a, a difficulty that you have been enduring, something where you're saying, why me, why now, why here? What is this all about? Why, what, what's the deal, God, with this hard right that you're taking me on? I want to encourage you this morning to ask a different question. That like Paul, we could be people that would say, okay, God, I know who you are and so I'm going to trust you. In the middle of the confusion, in the middle of the the storm, I'm going to put my trust in you because I know that you will transcend this for your kingdom and for my benefit. God, I pray that that would be our, our heart and our prayer this morning. That It doesn't matter what happens to us in this life because you will use every situation you can for your kingdom to be established and that we could say, Lord God, your kingdom come. Your will be done. When I don't understand it, when it's not easy, when it's not comfortable, your kingdom come. Your will be done. And if you don't find yourself in one of those challenging places this morning, then maybe you'd need to say, Lord, in my comfort in my prosperity. Lord, even in this place, I need to all the more press in to where your kingdom wants to move and work through my life so that I continue to say, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Whatever our situation is today, Lord, our circumstances, God, we contend to be a gospel people with your gospel as our primary focus in life. God, help us not to be content with a city that doesn't yet know you. Let us be disappointed by our neighborhood who doesn't know you yet, where you, you haven't completely saturated our neighborhood yet. Lord God, let us be a gospel people that cries out for your kingdom to be established for your gospel. And God, use everything that we've got in our lives, every every ounce of who we are, our talents, our abilities, our challenges, and our situations. Use us, God, for your glory. I want to invite you to stand right now and go ahead and stand and just open your arms before the Lord. Just in a posture as we close, just, I want you to, Open your arms and just pray with me one last time. Lord God, we give it to you. Whatever those challenges might be, Lord, we surrender them to you. We yield them to you. And Lord God, we say it's going to be for your glory and for your victory. In Jesus' name.